Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. I am with one of my absolute favorite people in the entire world. I honestly do not even remember when I first met her. I have known her and loved her for a long time, and you are going to know her and love her after today. She will have you crying one minute and laughing the next, but you will get the message, and that is the message of Jesus Christ. Jan Aldridge was miraculously healed of a rare birth defect at the age of 17, and her powerful story will leave you awestruck at the goodness of God. As an anointed, sought-after speaker, she has a now word for a generation that is desperate for real answers, and we talk about what God is saying to us today. Welcome, Jan. I'm so excited to finally have you on the podcast. I am so glad to be with you. I've missed you, my friend. I have missed you. And we were chatting. We really can't even, I had you speak for us many years ago, and now I can't even count how many times we've ministered together. No, let's not count because that gets into years. That's true. And and that (laughs) might date us. That might date us. All I know is that every single time we've ministered, ministered together, God has shown up in powerful ways. Most of the time you were speaking and I was leading worship and there's been such a sweet anointing that has rested on kind of our co-ministry together. And so I agree. I'm believing that same anointing is resting on this conversation today. So I want to just launch right into your story. I mentioned it there as I was introducing you, but you have a powerful miracle story. So let's just start at the beginning. Share with us what happened, Jan. Okay. Well, I, I choose to call it a unique testimony. Um, I'm kind of like a, a rare bird or what do you want to call it? But uh, my, the start of my journey started out kind of uh, uniquely. Uh, my mom and dad had a, a, my brother who was 12 and my sister who were five and they lived in Northern Alabama. And my father got transferred to North Florida for his work. And uh, they had never moved away from family or relatives. So upon moving, my mom started having like depression and, and different uh, physical problems. And they just attributed it to the move. And so she started seeking um, doctors to diagnose what was wrong. Mm. And they finally uh, diagnosed it as her thyroid. And this was in 1961. And they didn't have a lot of technology like they have today. So to get her thyroid under control, because it was really affecting her uh, physically, emotionally, and wrecking havoc on her, Mm. they suggested that they kill her thyroid by... um, radiation and uh, really like overdose of thyroid medicine. It was a very dangerous procedure. And they had a whole list of side effects that she and my father should consider. Mm -hmm. And the first one was if they planned on having any more children, she should not go with that recommendation. Well, with her depression and in her mid thirties and uh, having a boy and a girl, they didn't plan on having more children. Mm -hmm. So they, said, let's go ahead and do it. And so my mom started the treatment. Now, let me interject. I never felt like because my mom went that way that I was rejected because 
Um, they didn't know me. <laughs> and the scripture tells me before I was formed in my mother's womb, he knew me. And so that scripture always lets me know that whoever you are and wherever you are, you're not a mistake. That God knew you, he picked your parents, and he had a plan for you. So on with the story. My mom uh, went ahead with the started the treatments. And shortly afterwards, she started having the same symptoms she did when she was expecting my brother and my sister. So she told the doctor, she said, I'm really afraid I'm, I'm pregnant. And the doctors were good, so I don't have any problem with them. They felt like it was her hormones were out of balance, that uh, a whole gamut of problems. So they assured her it was just the effects of the treatment. And it wasn't until she felt me move that the doctors went ahead and checked and she was expecting. And at that time, because of so much radiation and so much medication that they went in and talked to my mom and they told her they tried to convince her to have an abortion because they felt like I would be just a uh, all kind of birth defects. They doubted I would make it. Her life was in danger. And at that time, my mother wasn't a Christian. Good woman. But this is her testimony, not mine. She wasn't a Christian. And so the doctor left the room for you know her to consider what they told her. And my mother will tell you that she heard a voice. And that voice said, don't let them take the baby. And we know now, without a doubt, that voice was the Lord. And my mother, I thank God for my mother. When that doctor came back in, my mother said, you can't take the baby. And I want to tell every mother out there, God anointed you to be that child's mother. You know, you may not have all the, the means, the education or not, but God handpicked you with an anointing to be the mother of whoever your child is. And God will make up the lack that you feel to stand in a gap for that child because he has a plan for that child. I didn't mean to say this, but God has a hand on your child. And where other people would have given up on that child, God puts a tenacity in a mother. It's like it's a fight will come back. She may not fight for herself, but she will fight for that baby. And so the doctor, you know, he felt like my mother was in denial, but my mother was the first person to stand in the gap for me. Well, true to form, she carried me. I was supposed to be born in January, December 12th. Only time I've been early in my life. I came into this world. And that night, they uh, they didn't know what to expect. And a unique, again, I choose to call it world, this word. All the radiation that came in was a unique birth defect. And I was born with what the doctors called an elongated tongue, which means I was a normal-sized baby. But my tongue was twice as long, twice as wide, and twice as thick. And what that made is uh, I couldn't breathe. My airway was being cut off. Hmm. I had a gorder, which was a, a, a type of a fibroid symptom. Uh, this gland was swollen. My eyes were like Graves' disease, where it was like they couldn't close. And the doctors felt like at that time that from a lack of oxygen that I might just slowly die during the night. And I have to tell you this, Angela, this is, this is probably one of the most uh, exciting things in my testimony. 18 years later, which you, people can't tell, I, I, I was healed. I'm at a little Assemblies God church, 18 years old, just healed. My mother's sitting there. 
And there's a little lady in the back with a hair and a little gray bun, sweet little lady, but she couldn't hear that well. And she kept saying, what'd she say? What'd she say? And undoubtedly somebody told her, and she got her little hanky up. And she started saying, whoo, thank you, Jesus. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. At the end of the service, she came up, spoke to the pastor. He got emotional. They brought my mom in. My mom got emotional. And I met a little lady by the name of Pearl Whitfield. And what made Pearl so precious was she was my nurse the night that I was born. She got called in, Angela. She wasn't even supposed to work. Mm. She didn't even work labor and delivery. And she came in that night and they put her on, on the floor, told her my circumstances. She went in there to check on me and the Holy Ghost told her, said, Pearl, you're here to stand in the gap for that baby. Mm. And she said, I felt so intimidated because I wasn't a minister. She said, I thought, what can I do? And the Holy Ghost told her, said, Pearl, I said, believers lay hands on the sick. And why this means so much? She said, I didn't even know how to pray, but I laid my hand on your chest. And she said, you were laboring with your breathing. And one scripture came to mind and it said, baby, in the name of Jesus, Mm. you're going to live and not die but proclaim the word of God. And I have to say this, I know the word lack of time. Not only did God address my problem, my present situation that I could die, maybe you're going to live and not die, but he prophesied to my future. Mm. Maybe you're going to live and not die, but proclaim the word of God. See, God didn't call me to minister because I received a healing. He called me before I was in my mother's womb. And so the enemy, he didn't attack my legs because if anybody seen me walk, I'm not not called to dance or run. He he didn't attack my hands because I am clumsy. But he attacked the part of my body that God had already preordained to be used in the kingdom. And so for that scripture to come forth, she did that all night, stood in the gap. And then 18 years later, in the land of the living, this precious saint got to see. She didn't see it overnight. She didn't see it. But 18 years later, she saw that prayer that that she stood in a gap. She saw it come to pass. That just that just that means so much to me. I love that. I, I I've heard your testimony. I don't even know how many times, but I still get goosebumps every time. And there's another piece of it that I that I pick up. And this time it's standing in the gap. Your mother stood in the gap for you. This nurse Pearl stood in the gap for you. Talk about that night that God miraculously healed you, Jan, because you were at a real crossroads. You were at a point where you were considering doing something that would take care of this birth effect, but it would come at a very, very high price. Can you talk about that yes. decision and what God did for you. Yes. Well, you know, uh, just very quickly, you know, I mean, from a child that had to feed me with a medicine dropper, I couldn't chew solid food. The tongue grew as I grew. They had to take nine perfect teeth out. I had to wear a metal apparatus uh, a life and not talk. I talk like this. I hear, if anything, it did not look like proclaim the gospel because, you know, how could you talk? So all my life, my goal, Angela, was to walk into a room and nobody noticed me. Mm. Just nobody not stand out because I was the girl with the tongue. So every month I had to go with my dad to get this. It wasn't braces, but I had to get it tightened that the teeth would not come out. You know, we used to call it butt tooth or whatever. 
to keep the teeth in. And so one day uh, we go over there. So it was the, uh, my 11th grade uh, in high school. So self-esteem was. So I go over there and the doctor tells me that there is a, a plastic surgeon, oral surgeon, traveling looking for odd birth defects. Hmm. And they didn't have the hip law then. And so he told him about my situation and he wanted to examine me. Long story short, he talked to my dad and me, and he gave us an opportunity that I could have seven to nine operations that would consist of breaking every bone in my face, reconstructing the skeletal muscle, because the tongue is a muscle, and with the teeth, it had got you know, my facial features out of alignment. And three very, very tedious surgeries where they would cut the lip of the tongue, they would slice the thickness, cut the center out, sew it out. He said, I can, I can do a, a cosmetic, make you look beautiful. But here's the stipulation. You'll never speak again. Hmm. Now, I didn't care. I wasn't thinking at that time. Little did I know that the Lord had his hand on me to be a minister. I just thought maybe if I was pretty enough, somebody would love me. I just wanted to fit in desperation. You don't think of your future. You're so bound with your present circumstance. Just get me out of this today. Hmm. You know, I don't, I can't think about a future problem. I got enough to deal with today. My dad out of his love for me, he's thinking, no, that's too costly, Hmm. but I didn't care. Just get me out of this. And unfortunately I went home and I'm not proud of that. I put my parents on a guilt trip, you know, until finally they said, you could have it done. But that didn't make me happy because that wasn't the answer. So shortly afterwards, my best friend in high school, she got saved. And I mean, she got saved. She didn't just join the church. She got saved. <laughs> and I saw something in her. And um, I, I went to church with her. And it was a, a different denomination than I was used to. And um, not that my denomination was bad, but this one was a, um, it was just different. And the greatest miracle happened there. Hmm. I got saved. And I mean, born again, full born again. He moved in. Hmm. And when when I got saved, I thought, how could somebody this good, you know, I, because I had, I, I'm jumping around. I didn't trust the Lord before because I was mad at him. Yeah, yeah. But when the sweetness of salvation come in, I thought, how could somebody this wonderful be here that this happened to me? And so shortly afterwards, I went to a service with her and the, the youth from the church and uh, uh, the spirit of God was so strong and I wasn't used to the gifts of the spirit flowing. And this pastor came and gave me a word, which again was so precious to me that the Holy Spirit would stop an entire service that the man of God would speak to me. It just, I thought he would do that for me. And he told me two things. First of all, he said, the Lord wants me to tell you he loves you. Now, a lot of times people think that's all he said. That's all he said. I mean, that God would stop his service to go back and say, hey, let's clear something up. I do love you. Mm. That means a lot to me. Yes. And then second, I had the tongue in my mouth and nobody had seen it because I was so Mm self-conscious. And if I opened the tongue, drool would come down, Mm. which made it worse when you're a teenager. 
he said, the Lord said, all your life, you've dealt with something too great for you. And that if his son could carry across the Calvary, how much more can he and will he bear this for you? Mm-hmm. And when he said I be that, I began to cry. The tongue came out and this man didn't get freaked out and say, hey, uh, you know, next week we got a healing service or uh, let me go back in there and take an offering. He gave me a pen and paper. I wrote out just what I told you about the doctor. And he took up a Bible, King James legal version, <laughs> read to me Isaiah 53, mm-hmm. that by his stripes were healed. Then took me to the New Testament where it says, by his stripes we were healed, mm. which means past tense. Mm. He read to me that my God, your God, is no respecter of persons. Yeah. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. The word of God that I'd had all my life came off the pages. And then he explained to me about the anointing of oil. They anointed me with oil that night. Something happened on the inside, but nothing on the outside. But I knew that I was healed. Mm. Went back to my parents, went back to this doctor. This doctor gave me all the facts why it wouldn't happen. He said, if you walk out that door, the offer's off the table of the surgery. Mm. I was scared because I wanted to be normal. And thank God for innocence and ignorance and childlike faith. The one thing the doctor never said is I'm doing it because I love you. And that need for love was so great that God first told me he loved me. Wow. Motivated me to step out on faith. Wow. That was in July. August came. I'm not trying to be flippant, but Angela, I went through so many prayer lines, you could have fried chicken off my head. (laughs) I went everywhere (laughs) thinking, this is it. This is it. Mm. It wasn't until December that I went into the smallest little Bible study on the Tuesday night. The most unlikely place you could fall. Mm. and had hands laid on me and I came out like this no surgery and I haven't shut up since we'll get right back to this week's episode I want to help you make life matter with some free resources at AngelaDenadio.com you'll also find my books albums and ways to connect while you're there join my online community and be the first to hear exciting updates if you long to walk where Jesus walked and are ready for the Bible to come alive in ways you have never experienced before Journey with me and Carol McLeod to Israel in 2022. Get all the details at AngelaDenadio.com. What a story. What a story of the goodness. What a God. What What a a God. God. What a story of the goodness of God. And one of the things that most impacts me, Jan, when I hear your story is you had to take a step of faith just like your mother did all those years ago. Now you were at that crossroads to take a step of faith and say, God, everything I've been asking for, I can have on a silver platter, but it's going to take my voice. I always think of Ursula and the little mermaid and, and she can have what she thinks is love and the perfect life, but she's going to lose the greatest gift and the gift that God had given you the, the potential of your future that he was speaking over. That so impacts me that you took that brave step of faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust a word from someone you didn't even know to speak over you. And And that changed the course of your life. And let me interject that, you know, when I say that, you know, it's like we just say, and then it happened. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fight. Yes. You know, I don't want to look like easy because you're fighting your mind. You're fighting the facts that this doctor tells you it can't happen. You're fighting 
Mm. Uh, looking in a mirror every day. Mm. You're fighting symptoms. You're fighting. I mean, faith never denies the facts. The facts are not going to go away. People will say faith. But faith comes in and puts a comma where the facts had an exclamation mark. It erases that. And faith puts a comma says, but God. Come on. And it is it is something you have to stand on the word of God. You can't go by what you feel, what you see, or what you hear. It's like setting the thermostat in your mind. I can't change the temperature in my house, but I had to set that thermostat of what I want. And, you know, if you set the thermostat, it doesn't immediately change. But when you see that number, you already feel either warmer or cooler because you know it's coming. Mm. And that and, and people, we, we live in a society, we want it now. But God has a reason. And if you love him and are trusting, it's in his timetable. And you have to trust that he's working things out on our behalf right now. And and, and either we trust him. I mean, that's what faith is. Absolute trust. And when you've done all you know to do, the hardest thing to do is stand and get your hands off of it Mm. and stand and wait. What would you say to someone, Jan, right now who's listening and probably like me have a lump in their throat and and just processing your story. I love what you just said that faith puts a comma where facts put an explanation mark. What would you say to someone right now who is staring down facts that are, are disappointing are not what they wanted are not what they expected. They're in that waiting period. What would you say to encourage that listener right now, Jan? Well, the first thing I would tell them is that, you have to overcome disappointment. I mean, you, you, you know, you can trust God and you can go to the doctor and you say today the numbers are going to be different and they'd be higher. And, and that the enemy's right there. Where's God? Where's God? Yeah. And you, you have to make up your mind. That's not my final. That's not my final answer. Whose report are you going to believe? Mm-hmm. I'm a visual person. You know, I may put like, uh, Let's, let's say it's cancer. Put the word cancer on a poster, but then put God bigger. Yes. You know, put something that you can see that's a visual that you see it. And it's kind of like, maybe this sounds trivial. If you if you go, uh, let's say I'm flying from Richmond to Miami, they may take me to Philadelphia first. You know, it, it, it looks like the wrong direction. But I have to remember, that's not my final destination. Mm. That's just something I had to go through to get there. If I get off at Philadelphia, I didn't miss it. I just had to be willing to take the the next connection. I got the ticket. That ticket's your word. Hang on to it. Mm. And the other thing is it says the enemy comes to the wearing down of the saints. Mm. Satan can't stop your promise. But if he can get you and I so tired of fighting, so weary, so disappointed, angry, then we give up. And most of the time it's right on the threshold of our promise. And and sometimes let me say this and I'll I'll hush. Maybe you're believing for a marriage and you pray and pray and pray. And that person walks out and you say, but God, I prayed, I prayed. You have to remember that that spouse has a will 
And when you're praying for a person, a marriage or something, God gave them a free will. It's not his will. And he hears your prayer. But God can't make a person go against their will. That's good. And so we have to remember that's different from healing. Yeah. That's different from provision when you're dealing with a person. They have a will involved. Such good counsel. It's such good guidance, Jan. You've talked about being able to see the future that God had for you, even when you were waiting on it. You are really a seer. That's a gift God has given you. You flow in the prophetic. And I know God has burdened you for what you're seeing in our culture, in our generation today. What do you sense God saying to us today as the church, Big C, and to our listeners right now? Well, the main thing he spoke to me is in Jeremiah 2, the scripture says, for my people, you know, the Bible's speaking to the, to the Christians. It's foreign to, it's not written to the, to the lost because it's like Greek to them. Sure. He said, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and made for themselves cisterns, hmm. broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And that really concerns me because I think what happened is we've got away from the river. You know, God made made an endless supply of everything we need. And, and it's kind of like sometimes we think we can uh, reinvent the wheel. And so they made cisterns. And a cistern's like a rain barrel. And a rain barrel's not bad, but it has to have the rain. Where a river, it doesn't matter if it rains or not. It is, uh, it's, it's endless. It's not dependent on any outward source and it said you made these vessels man-made things and and it's like the church has got away from the holy spirit not to replace jesus but everything has been preached but jesus Mm. and and i had to be very careful i'm not anti-church but it's almost like a gimmick to get the blessings but if you seek him first all these benefits come you don't you don't have to have the gimmicks preached if you get jesus and so maybe I should have called it a gimmick. I apologize. No, I, I know exactly but, what you mean. But he said, you've made these cisterns. Yeah. And so people are running to the cisterns because they have the water. But he said, they don't value what's in it. It's like the, the widow woman of second Kings, you know, she's running, you know, the enemy's coming, the enemy's coming. And he said, what do you have a value in the house? And she said, nothing. She had been married to a prophet. And she said, I don't have anything but a little jar of oil. And we've lost the value of the Holy Ghost. Wow. And, we, and we associate him with the signs that, that maybe have been abused or something. But even Jesus, before his ministry, he was baptized in the water and the Holy Ghost came upon him. I mean, and Jesus told the disciples, go tear in Jerusalem that you might be endued with power. And, and, and we, we don't have that. And we don't even value what ministry is these days. It's almost become life coach or entertainment. I mean, I I know it'd be very frank, but, and and it said the systems are broken. Mm. They're broken. They can't even hold what's poured into. And so what happens, Angela, when we go through a season of drought for a little while, they they got water, but they're going to run dry. And that's what's happening in our nation, our churches. They're running dry hmm. because the gifts of the spirit are not operating. And yes, I will be the first to apologize that we have had 
abuse of it. It's been tainted mm. and it's been it's been misused, mishandled, it's been sold, it's been merchandised, but that does not you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. It is still a holy ghost. And we cannot make it and be the church that Jesus called to be. We cannot be the New Testament church without the Holy Ghost. And we've got a generation that doesn't even know what it is. And we need the word is the foundation, just like Ezekiel under dry bones. We need that, Mm. but it's going to take the breath of God to resurrect it and bring it back to life. Such a powerful word. And, And you can just hear listeners. And if you're watching this, Jan has her pulse on what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. I wonder even, Jan, I know we don't have a lot of time. I could just linger on this word that you're giving us for for a while. Why is it we run to broken cisterns in the first place? We have God. We have Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Why are we running, especially in times of drought, which we're experiencing a spiritual drought, an economic drought, a drought literally in every way? Why do we run to broken cisterns when that's the last place we should be turning? Sometimes I think if you're broken, it makes you feel better to run to something else broken. Hmm. It kind of gives you a sense of, uh, of uh, well, they're broken too. Hmm. The other thing is we live in a generation that doesn't want to feel. That's why we've had such an opiate and, and such a misuse of things. Because if I feel, I have to deal with it. That's good. And when there's a Holy Spirit in the church moving, you're going to feel. I mean, on the day that King died, died and said, I saw the Lord high lifted up. And he didn't want to shout. He, he recognized. When you're in the presence of God, you feel that part of you that's unclean. And people have misunderstood what conviction and judgment is. That's good. And that and people don't want to repent. And so if you go to something broken, you're, you're going to be desensitized. You, you don't have to deal with it. And we're going to have to come to that place to deal with it, to heal. That's right. And, 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 and Jesus wants that. He died that we would make it. This is eternity. This is that your children, and it's not a band-aid. It's that you, he said, I came to heal you and make you whole. And our nation is not going to turn around. Our homes are not going to turn around until we repent. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. Come on. And turn. And repentance is to quit doing it, not just confess. And we're going to have to say we missed the mark. And pride from the pulpit down, it's hard to get up and say, church, you know, we got off, we got off the, the highway because number one, you may lose some people. That's hard. Uh, some people like it easier to just come in church and uh, have a Starbucks um, attitude. Yeah. Come on. Be comfortable. Uh, yeah. They like a decaffeinated church. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. The Holy Ghost is pure caffeine. <laughs> okay. Come on. Espresso. Yeah. You know, they like the form of godliness. Well, let's deny that power. Mm. And it's become a social and compromise. And um, and it, it, it's just bad. And can I, can I just say one more thing while I'm thinking absolutely, of Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so many people in our generation are having panic attacks. And my associate, you know, Debbie, yes. she had them for a while. And uh, you know, Debbie, she is solid. 
Yes. And um, she was having them tormenting at night. And I, I, a lot of people are having them. And uh, I've sprayed, I thought, God, what is this? We know that panic is a spirit of fear. Yes. And we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, if the Holy Ghost is in your life, not this is not a, a rebuke, okay? But the Holy Ghost is our comforter. Here's our peace. And because the Holy Spirit is being pushed away, fear is coming on our earth with COVID, the loss of jobs, uh, the rioting. And we've got to get him back. Yeah. We've got, I mean, he's here. Yes. But he, we've got to welcome him here. Amen. You have to draw out of me, I'll draw out of you. We need to be refilled, the church does, revived. And that's only come with repentance. Mm, so good. Such a good word, Jan. Thank you for sharing that and and just encouraging us not to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. If we should fear anything, oh. it's to fear being without the presence of God. And 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 I, I I understand this guarding we've done a little bit to not feel, but that's going to keep us from experiencing the fullness of God in our life. That's why we'll run to these broken cisterns. And that might look different. For every person listening, what is a broken cistern that I might run to might not be what Jan runs to or Debbie, but we right. all have them. We all yeah. have things that we turn yeah. to that are coping mechanisms or our way because it's tangible. We can get our hands on something and the Holy Spirit is somewhere out there nebulous. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit's within us. And when we accept Christ, he dwells within. We are the dwelling place or the house of the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to grab a hold of something that's going to break, something that's no. not going to sustain us, something that's not going to bring us freedom. When we have the fullness of who God is that we can tap into. So thank you for sharing that with us, Jan. And, and those of you that are listening or watching, you can see that you're just getting the tiniest little glimpse into her ministry. And, and how can people connect with you, Jan? How can they find you, have you come and share, have you infuse faith and hope into their congregation, to their church online. Uh, let us know how people can find you. Well, I'm on Facebook, just Jan Aldridge. You can send me a message. Uh, you can go to janaldridge.org and um, uh, Debbie, my assistant, will get back with them and uh, we'll prayerfully consider. And I, I'm full-time ministry, live strictly by faith, and uh, I'd love an opportunity to come share. And we've had her many times. She's powerful. You will, you will be, you will be tremendously blessed to invite her into whatever house you are leading. If you're listening, give drop her name to your pastor, to your women's leader. I want to ask you one more question, Jan, that I love to ask our guests. And then listen, she's going to pray over us in just a moment. So so if you're ready for a now word in your life, you're ready for Jan to bless you and to speak life over you, hang on just one second because she's going to pray over us as we end our time together. But Jan, I know Jesus is so special to you. He is everything to you. But other than Jesus, what person in the Bible has influenced you most to make your life matter? Well, as far as a testimony, I, I can't wait to meet the, the young boy who was born blind mm. in John 9. Mm. Uh, and he was healed. And it, I don't ever say the Bible's comical, but I relate to him when the the Pharisees came to him and asked him what happened. And he went in depth and, and told the testimony. 
and they were trying to quicking, uh, I mean, getting, you know, getting messed up. And so the next time they asked him again and he shortened it. And then they went and got his parents and they said, well, you know, ask him. And the third time I can relate, he, he simply said, I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> and I just want to meet this kid because I just think I get it. I get it. You know, it's so simple. I want to meet him. But the one who really um, relates to me is um, Samuel. Mm. Because Samuel grew up and he had a lot of disappointments. I mean, he, he grew up and he saw the the backside of ministry with Eli. Yeah. You know, as a kid, you know, he could have said, hey, I'm out of ministry. True. I grew up with this guy, the nepotism. You know, I saw what was going on. He saw Eli, the spirit of God, depart. Mm. And then, you know, he was kind of like on his own float. Yeah. And then the next thing, you know, the people wanted Saul. And he's like, no, come on, man. Yeah. Redeem and have a, a really, you know, man of God. Mm. And, and, and God said, let him have Saul. And he's like, no, God, you know what's going to happen? And God was like, yeah, I know. But this is what they chose. Mm. And that was a chance Samuel could have said, hey. Samuel stood his ground and, and then he had to go tell, you know, Saul, the anointing's gone. Mm. And, uh, you know, I mean, I just, Saul had, I mean, Samuel had endurance for his love of God. That's good. So, I don't know. I just really try to remember that even though we see the bad and the ugly, yeah. it doesn't determine our choice that we were called and that we were chosen to stand the ground. Mm. Thank you, Jan. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. There's so many things you have said. Some of you need to go back and listen to this again. Push, pause, write some things down, meditate on it, chew on it. So many things you've shared have stood out to me, Jan, but especially you reminding us that faith puts a comma where facts put an exclamation point. I needed that reminder today for a situation I'm going through in life. I'm getting choked up talking about it. Maybe there's someone else listening and you need the reminder today that faith in God, not faith in faith, faith in God right. puts a comma where the facts, where a situation has tried to put an exclamation point. You are loved by God. Love cast out fear. And when you know you are loved by God, then you have that endurance that Jan is talking about. I want you to pray over us, Jan, but I'm going to share just this last uh word today is a what I call truth that matters. And God had led me to Psalm 130 before I would, as I was preparing before this interview today. And I believe it's just a confirmation of the things that we've talked about the anchors we need for our soul. When we're waiting on God, Psalm 30, the writer said out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord, that's a desperate place. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. And here's the key that I felt like the Lord wanted us to hear today. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. Yes. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. So we want to wait well, Jan. You've taught us to do that. You've taught us to put our hope with our whole being fully in the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for what you've deposited once again into my life 
And to all those that have heard and listened today, and I want you to just pray over us as we close our time together. Well, first of all, whatever your situation is, sis, I agree with you. And the Bible says, when you two agree, it's touching. If those two believe when they pray, and so I just speak to you, I believe. So let's pray. God, I just thank you that you are God of miracles. And Lord, I am persuaded with Angela and whoever else is listening. I am persuaded that you are well able to keep those things that we have committed unto you until that day. And that day, God, means that we are waiting and we know that there's an appointed time. And so we're persuaded that you're going to do it. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be with Angela and others, believers, and just to share your goodness and to share the truth that we have a hope in a world that cries that there is no hope. And Lord, I thank you because we have hope. We have faith. And Father, because faith is the substance of things hoped for. I thank you that your word screams at us and shouts at us. It is going to happen. And I thank you, Lord, that you love us enough that you give us a promise to prepare us before there's a problem. And while we have the problem, Lord, you give us a provision daily until we get the promise. So God, I just exalt you today. I thank you that healings and needs and salvations and deliverances and restoration and hope are going forth right now in the name of Jesus. I glorify you in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.